Father, we're so happy to stand in the power of Christ that we can't be shaken, we can't be moved if we're standing in that power. So I pray that as we look at your word today and, and see that power in a little, little bit clearer way that um, it would build confidence in us, that it would shape our identity the way we see ourselves, and that whatever uh, weapon that is formed against us, whatever Satan, whatever arrows he shoots at us, uh, may we know the power of Christ in those moments with the shield of faith up. So uh, I pray you'd be with me and my voice as, as, uh, as I share from your word, and I pray that you'd just move and you'd say what you want to say. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. So if I start coughing and do this, Andrew, that means you're up. Just like, I'll just go like that. All right? All right. We haven't practiced this at all, so, you know. <laughs> all right. You'll take good notes? All right. All right. Good. Good deal. <clears throat> so, uh, if you're in Rooted this fall, this week's memory verse is Colossians one thirteen. Are you ready? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Pretty good. Very good. It's nice to have a shorter one, right, after the last few long ones, where you're kind of like looking at that going, oh, thank goodness. I can get that one. All right. All right. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amazing truth. Amazing verse in Colossians. What is the kingdom of darkness then? What is this dark kingdom? Well, the word uh, kingdom is actually the word, uh, sometimes it's translated domain. Some of your translations might have that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, Some of your translations might say domain. It actually means power or authority. It's not the same word as he's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Kingdom is, is the word basileia in Greek. So, so that's kingdom, designating a king. Domain, or, or, or kingdom, is actually not designating a king, but designating a power or an authority. So I, I love that, that Paul's trying to say these are different things. You know, they're, they're, Yeah, you could say it's a kingdom, but it's this authority. It's his power. Now, I think it's important to, to differentiate between what we mean by, I mean, I know Satan has enough power that he could dominate people. Like, like, like he has that much power. But I think more importantly, when you think about the domain of darkness or the kingdom of darkness, what we're saying is he has a legal right to overpower people. He has a right to to come in here and, and, and to tempt and to and to lead people, not here meaning the church, but come into your world, to come into people's lives and, and, and dominate and destroy and do these things. He has a right because we're sinners. So when Adam sinned, he became what? A, a slave to sin. And we were all born from Adam and Eve, so we're born into slavery to sin, which makes Satan a master that's a legal right that he has over people. 
So, so just so you know, when we're talking about the domain of darkness, those are two different words. There's domain of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of his dear son. Different things going on there. Satan, though, has been dethroned. I mean, he's no longer the king of, of anything. Christ died. Now, now he has power. He still has authority to do things, but he has been dethroned by the cross of Christ. Hence, we can use a different word to describe that, that domain. What I want to do to describe the domain a little bit better than just the word, though, is show it to you. I want to take you to uh, Mark chapter 5. Would you go to Mark 5? I want to show you the domain of darkness in, in an extremely clear form. Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> so, in sharing this, I know what, I, what I'm sharing here is a story of a man who's been demonized. He's been possessed by, by demons. Um, did, I, did I include, Jim, on that, that uh, definition of demonization in the notes? Do you have that? There it is. Um, this is a Moody professor, C. Fred Dickinson. used to be the chair of the theology department at Moody. Um, and he has an excellent book called Angels, Elect, and Evil, uh, which is kind of like a book on angelology, which is, which is pretty cool if you, if you want to dive into that topic. But he says, uh, what is demonization? Well, it's the inhabiting of a human by one or more demons who exercise various degrees of control with the result in physical, psychological, and spiritual manifestations. I'm reading a story about that. I'm reading how Jesus dealt with that. But in reading this, what I want to do is talk about how even though I don't know if I've come across many people who have been demonized, I do come across people who are under the influence of Satan in that he is ruling their life. They're in the kingdom of darkness. They're in that domain of darkness. So what you see happening here in Mark 5 happens in America every single day with people. Even though we might not be possessed, we see these kinds of things. It's the same uh, method of operations. So check out Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed 
and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those that had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, I'm going to say it one more time just so I can be clear. I want to talk about what demons like to do. I want to talk about the kingdom of darkness for a few minutes here. I'm not saying if you see these things in your life that you have demons living in your, in your body. I'm not saying that. Is that possible for people to have demons living? Yes, it's possible. But what I want to get at is I want to just kind of pull the curtain back and say, here's what demons like to do. Do you see these things happening? Well, now you know that there's spiritual forces of darkness doing these things. And you can point your finger at them and say, I'm not having that in my life. That's part of the kingdom of darkness. Well, I'm not going there. What are those things? Well, A, there's an obsession with death. There's an obsession with death. Where did this man live? He lived among the tombs. Uh, does anyone want to live in a graveyard? Do, do you want to stay there? Do you want to sleep there? Do you want to make that your home? Now, now I know there's just bodies there, and I, and I know that the spirits have gone on. Like, like I'm not saying it's haunted. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, would you want to make your home right in the center of a graveyard among dead bodies. Most of us would say, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to live right there in the middle of that. This man was obsessed with it, and that's where he was. That's where the demons drove him. So we see people that are obsessed with death. Have you ever noticed that there's a lot of metal bands that have death images on the front of their album covers? You wonder why that is? Well, here's your answer. This is the domain of darkness. There's an obsession with death there. You want to wonder why, um, why cults get a hold of people and then have a mass suicide? That's demons. That's death. That's what they do. They want to kill. Do you want to wonder why we can watch videos on Planned Parenthood and, and see... Um, see images of fetuses in the video being lifted up dead and, and you see that and go it's stomach churning how can people defend this that's the domain of darkness people are fooled by this and we call it rights we call it control of your body but when you see the videos and you see the way they talk about it when you see what happens to babies you go no why is this? It's demonic. That's what it is. It's, it's an obsession with death. Suicide. That goes without saying. Suicide. Why would that be the answer to your problems? Because that's what darkness does. It wants you to destroy yourself. That's what demons do. When it says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy... Jesus wasn't speaking metaphorically when he said, Satan comes to kill. He comes to kill. 
be. The man was living alone in the tombs. So there's social distance. He's not living with people. He's living by himself. He wants to be alone. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, who knows, I'm introverted. I like being alone at times. You know, that, that's how I'm kind of wired. But I'm also wired to be in community with people. I love people. I love the church. When, when, maybe you're here this morning and you've been separated from the people of God. That's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing to be isolated from God's people. We're not saying you should attend church so that we can get your money or you should attend church because it feels really good to have a full church on a Sunday morning. You should be here because community is God's plan for you. And you're not so good on your own. You're designed for this. You're designed for the fellowship that happens after church is over. You know, you're, you're designed for small groups getting together. It doesn't matter if it's programmed or whether you just go to a Christian's house and spend time with them. You're designed for community. That's what God has for you. Demons want to separate you, and they want you to pull back. Social distance. C. Demons are all about this deep power. This deep power. Um, You notice that they, they tried to shackle this man, and he would break the shackles and get free. There's power there. This is why people are attracted to witchcraft and the occult. Because there's real power there. You could really curse somebody. You could really put a spell. You could. Satan does have power. And, and, and that's attractive to some people to tap into that. It's manipulative. It's controlling. It's, it's all those things. That's why people are attracted to witchcraft. That's why they do that. So there's deep power. There's breaking of shackles. Uh, D, there's a disturbed mind and emotions. You see that this man was crying out among the tombs. It says he was crying out. So his mind is troubled. His emotions are troubled. That's why he's yelling. That's why he's screaming. Anything going on in your mind that bothers you? Are your emotions out of control at times? Do you rage? Do you have despair? This is what Satan wants for you. God wants to give you peace. As we looked at, uh, was that last week? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Satan doesn't want you to have that. So when darkness is present, you despair. There's hopelessness. There's out-of-control emotions. There's rage. There's all those things. That's darkness. Let's call it what it is. Um, you also might add there's confusion over when you have a disturbed mind there's confusion over who you are you look at this country and the gender confusion going on we don't even know who we are who God made us to be this is the domain of darkness who am I? I don't know maybe I can go through a surgery to figure this thing out Maybe if, I, maybe if I do plastic surgery, I'll, I'll feel better about myself by tweaking things. Now, look, I know sometimes plastic surgery fixes things that have gone wrong, accidents and, and scars and things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I look in the mirror, I'm not happy with what I see. I'm disturbed by what I see, you know. No, no. 
um, E, it says the man in the tombs was cutting himself. He was cutting himself with stones. He was injuring himself. So there's a, a destruction of the body. Again, we could talk about abortion when we talk about the destruction of the body. But you think about, and this seems like an epidemic with young people, there's this sense of, I'm hurting so bad because of what's going on in my life. I, I cut myself because feeling that pain is better than feeling the emotional pain that I'm dealing with. So I, I, I'm hurting my body to deal with that. That's darkness. That's what that is. That injuring of yourself. Again, I'm not saying you're possessed by a demon. I'm just saying that's a dark thing that's going on. You think about addictions, the, the drinking too much, the, the uh, alcoholism or, or drug addiction, and you say, I'm hurting my body with this, with this substance. That's darkness. Demons love that. Get you addicted. Break down your body. That's what they, that's what they love. There's a whole genre of movies out there called um, torture porn. Won't describe it to you, but if you know what I mean, it's this destruction of the body on screen. And people enjoy this. What is that? How, how do you imagine stuff like that? I remember I, I would just hate it when I heard a teenager in my youth group say, oh, I saw this, this, this latest movie, and I know it, it, it's full of torture. And that's how you entertain yourself. Really? That's darkness. That's what that is. Demons love that. They love it. Um, F, the man was naked among the tombs. There's a loss of dignity. It, it says when they found him later, when he had the legion cast out of him, which could have been 10,000 demons, a legion refers to 10,000 soldiers. Um, it says he was clothed now in his right mind. Um, <clears throat> the, de- the, the loss of dignity to run around naked among the tombs. I remember as a kid watching the Jesus movie, and, and, and they show that man running among the tombs, and they, you get a pretty, almost you know, like, like a back version of him running around, and you're like, wow, that guy really was unclothed. Why would you do that? What fuels the pornography industry? You know, what's behind all of that? That loss of dignity. Did you see in the news last week, there's a major men's magazine. I don't even, you know, I won't even name names, but a major men's pornographic magazine that closed, you know, they're, they're, I guess they're going to keep promoting the publishing the magazine, but there'll no longer be pornography in it. And you might go, oh, well, that's good news, but actually it's bad news. It's bad news because they said the reason we're not selling as much is because we can't compete with what's online. That's why we're not going to publish it in the magazine anymore. Oh, so what you're telling me is it's worse now than it ever has been. That's what you're telling me. Why is that? And why is it we have to have categories of pornography that involve young people? How can that be? It's darkness, it's demons. It's taking a gift of God and, and trying to twist it to the point of being unrecognizable and so not good. Darkness. I mean, so, yeah, what I'm saying is when you click it, 
you are participating in a dark and demonic and powerful thing. And you're saying, this is good. That's darkness. Now, I've said all that. I'm going to say it one more time, a third time, just so I can be clear. I'm not saying if you do these things that you are possessed. I'm not saying that. Even possession is possible. But what I'm saying is demons are not doing anything different today than they haven't done for thousands of years. You read a story like this and go, this describes American culture. We don't need a crazy man running around the tombs. We see it every day in the newspaper. We see it on the news. This is our life. Terrorists blow themselves up around the world and, and kill life. Gunmen go into schools and shoot people. I mean, this is demonic. Now, I'm done talking about that. I want to move on. Satan's had his moment to show what he's doing. Um, how are we rescued from this? According to this verse, you've been rescued from the domain of darkness. Now, um, better get to my Colossians. It says in the verse after, here's what happened to you that rescued you from it. Um, verse 14. It says, uh, you've been brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So, so you've been redeemed, which means bought back. In other words, Satan had ownership of you. You were a slave to sin and a slave to Satan. And then Jesus bought you. He said, I don't want you to be a slave anymore. I'm buying you off the auctioning block. You're mine now. You're mine now. And now I'm transferring you out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom, my kingdom. I've forgiven your sins. All those dark things you participated in, they're forgiven. They're wiped out. Done. I dealt with it. The cross happened. No more payment needs to be made. Uh, Listen to this. Two words. I didn't put them on the screen. I kind of wish I did. Um, But the word rescued, when it says he rescued us from the domain of darkness is the word ruamai, and it means to deliver from danger or destruction. Jesus delivered you from danger and destruction. Doesn't that describe the demon-possessed man to a T? Cutting himself, running around naked, the danger and destruction, and he rescued us from that. And then it says he transferred us. Um, That's the word uh, methystomy. It means he removed you from that. He removed you from one place so you could live somewhere else. I think all of you have had the experience probably of moving at some point in your life, going from one house to another. But when you sell your house, you don't get to go back into it. You don't get to go to the new owners and say, oh, I forgot something. Can I come back in and get it? No, that's done. You know, you sold it. It's over. You know, you signed the papers. You transferred ownership. That house is no longer your home. Now you have a new house. That's the word Paul chose to write this. You've been transferred from one home to another home. And now this is where you live. You live in the kingdom, the basileia in Greek. It's not a domain, it's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of his son. It has a rightful king over it. Satan tries to usurp God's power. He wants to be king. Jesus is the rightful king. Okay, now, 
You've been rescued. You've been transferred. <sighs> what you are now, oh look, it's up there already. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. You are now citizens. So for my voice, is doing pretty good. All right. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to show you. I'm going to break this mirror today, I told Christy. But I'm not really. I'm not going to break it. Okay. Um, every day you get up and you, and you look in the mirror, right? You see what you look like. How many wrinkles you got. The gray hairs that are popping in. Caitlin loves pointing mine out. It's hard. I tell her she's responsible for it, but I, I don't think she believes me. Um, you look in the mirror and you see yourself. You look and you say, man, I need to shave today. What happened to my hair? It's out of control. Or what happened to my hair? It's not there anymore. <laughs> I got I to gotta keep, yeah, I got to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, you look in the mirror and, and maybe you like what you see, maybe you don't. But here's what we do. We, we tell ourselves all sorts of things about ourselves. Like, I'll never be not addicted to that sin. I'm always going to be a liar. I'll always look at that stuff. I've always been a failure. I, I've often told myself things that, that happened in my childhood, like, um, you've never been popular. People never really wanted to spend time with you. Uh, when you were at that Christian school, you were never among the spiritually elite at that school. So why would you ever think you're going to be a, a pastor? You weren't when you were in high school. You weren't when you were in college. Why, why do you think that now? Um, you're introverted, which must mean you don't care about people. That's one I've heard a lot in myself. And I go, no, that's not true. I care about people a lot. I hope I care about people more than most. Uh, these are the things I've told myself when I look in the mirror of my own heart, when I lay in bed at night. What you have to realize is what you tell yourself is often not what you really are. Okay? If you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, then what you see is not what you really are. You're something more. You're something that the mirror doesn't show, that can't show you. It can't possibly tell you that. The mirror can't possibly give you your value. You can't possibly lay there and tell yourself, I'm, I'm completely accepted. I, I'm a great person. You can't do that. This is the problem. We use this. But this is our mirror. This is the mirror. This tells you who you are. If you don't spend time here, you will believe all sorts of false things about yourself. I'm nothing but a dirty, rotten person. I'll never... No, the Bible says something different about you. Listen to this. Jim, if we could start that lengthy um, section of, of my notes. You're the salt of the earth. You're a life-preserving agent on earth. Next, you're the light of the world. People see you and you should shine light into their darkness. Some will hate it and some will say, oh my goodness, I want to be light like you. Next, you're a child of God. God's your father. Next, your branches on the vine. You are connected to Christ and have his life flowing into you. Next, 
You are chosen by Christ to bear fruit. He picked you. He picked you. Next, you're united to Christ. When he died on the cross, somehow, spiritually, you died there with him. Your flesh has been crucified with Jesus. Next, you are a slave to righteousness now. Christ is your master, and he says, I want to see some righteousness. And you go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do, righteousness. Next, you share the inheritance of Christ. Somehow, when you're the son of God, you've got a good inheritance coming to you. And Jesus says, I want everybody to share what I get. I want to share heaven with everybody. I want to share eternal life with everybody. Just accept it. Next, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside your body. God wants to live in you, and he does. That's amazing. That means your body is, is not this thing that just does bad things. It's not that the body is just like this evil thing, and oh my goodness, I can't wait to get out of the body. It's a temple. It's a temple. Worship happens here. This is, where, this is, the, this is the site of worship. This is where praise happens, my body. Next, you're a member of Jesus' body. You belong here. If you've ever felt like you don't belong to the church, that you're not good enough, spiritual looking enough, you don't wear nice clothes on Sunday morning, so that's not good. That's all lies. That's all satanic. You're a member of Jesus' body. If you've ever felt like you're on the outside of the church, that is darkness. That's darkness. Because God says you are part of the body of Christ. Next. You're the aroma of Christ. You, I love this. You smell like Jesus. And when you walk around other people of the world, they should smell you, again, metaphorically. They should smell you and smell Jesus on you. You smell different than everybody else. Well, that's my cologne. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Next. Uh, you are reconciled to God. Oh, wait, I was just thinking... I'm sure Christians can market that, couldn't they? They're the aroma of Christ. That's bad. Let's not do that, ever. Okay? Uh, you are reconciled to God, and you're a minister of reconciliation. Amazing. You, you, you minister to people and say, be reconciled to God, like me. Be reconciled. Next. You're a saint. How many times does the Bible call you a dirty, rotten sinner in the New Testament? I don't count very many. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. There's some stuff like that. But over and over and over and over, you are a saint. I try not to say I'm a sinner. I try to say I'm a saint that still sins. Because that's my identity. Next, you're God's workmanship. God formed you to do good works for him. Amazing. Next one. You are righteous and holy. That's you. That's, the Bible says you are righteous and you are holy. Next, you're a citizen of heaven and somehow mysteriously, in a way that I want to figure out later, you're seated in heaven right now. That's your home. Next, you're hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He, how could God look at me and not see the sin I did yesterday? He doesn't. He forgot about all that stuff. And he sees, your life is like swallowed up in the ocean of Jesus. And now all God can see is Jesus. Man, 
Next, you are chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. You say, why me, God? Why did you come after me, the lost sheep? (laughs) He wanted you. He wanted you. Next, you're son of the light. Not a child of darkness. You're a child of the light. Next, you're God's living stones. You're being built up into the spiritual house. Next, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. Again, you belong to him. You're a priesthood. You you, you don't need me to tell you what the Bible says. You're a priest. That's what the Bible says about you. Next, you're an alien and a stranger in this world. Don't get too comfortable. This world's not your home. You're passing through into a better country, into heaven, the new heavens, the new earth. Next, you're an enemy of the devil. That's why there's a target painted on you. That's why you experience darkness in your life. The devil is after you. You're an enemy of the devil. Next, you're born of God. You've been born again. Next, uh, you're the beloved bride. Revelation 19.7. Jesus loves you so much that he wants you to know it's going to be like a wedding day when we get to be with him. He's the groom. We're the bride. We get to be with him forever. That's how affectionate he is towards you. You are like a bride. Okay. I could have gone on, by the way. I had to be choosy. I'm sorry. There's so much there. There's so much there. Um, how does this impact your life? Uh, three ways, I'll say. Um, number one, you've you got to know that your identity is in Christ. You're going to fail every spiritual battle if you don't realize who you belong to, who you are. If you're doing this thing, if you're doing the mirror and what you tell yourself as you lay on your bed at night, you'll fail. You'll fail. Because Satan comes in there and says, you're a loser, you're a liar, you're a failure, people don't like you, you actually love things of darkness, so keep doing those things. If you give up those things of darkness, you'll feel a loss in your life. Jesus says, no, that's not true. I don't know how you're going to win if you don't realize who you are and whose you are. You won't win. You've got to remind yourself of these things. And some of you need to remind yourselves every single day because the battle's there every day. Next, um, number two. Uh, church membership is a visible sign of your citizenship in the kingdom of God. Now, do you need to become a member of Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church to be a Christian? No. Do you need to be a member here to be a member of the universal church? No. But when I go out of the country, it doesn't happen very often, I have a passport, a U.S. passport. It gets me back in here and says I can go places, and they stamp it, and they do all these things. Uh, this is voluntary, but it's a good thing to have. It's, it's a nice thing to have a document saying, yes, I am a U.S. citizen. Listen, we're part of the church. The churches, but there are local churches that are like embassies in foreign territory. Yes, I'm calling America foreign territory. We are aliens and strangers. It's biblical. 
And we have an embassy here in Three Lakes. There's a few different embassies, actually, in this town. There's some embassies in Eagle River and St. Germain and Rhinelander. There's embassies all over the place. Why not sign up and register with your embassy? All membership is is a visible sign that you're in. Now, I know some of you are not in for different reasons. I'd like to push against that a little bit, if you'd let me, and just hear me from a pastor's heart. Why not take the visible sign of membership in the local church? You're saying, I'm accountable to these people here. I'm accountable to the leaders of this church. I want to be officially under the care of this church. I want to say that I'm all in. I want to say in electing members of the church here, you, you get a vote in who becomes uh, members and who, who becomes uh, leaders. Do you know that in the church in Acts, um, remember when there was that problem in Acts 6, I think, and, and the Grecian widows weren't getting their food like they were supposed to? And they elected people, the church elected people to take care of that problem. Uh, electing people, choosing people, is a very good thing. And you can do that if you're a member here. So there's a variety of reasons you should be a member, but why not just that it's a visible sign that you are in? I'll get off my soapbox. I know some of you have your reasons, but would you reconsider is all I'm asking. Would you reconsider? Uh, Thirdly, Christ is the cure for our social problems. Uh, That should be like the no-brainer, right? Because we looked at the domain of darkness and and we looked at what that demonized man was going through. (laughs) I bet you didn't need me to draw the connections between that and the newspaper, right? You didn't need me to say that we're destroying life in America today. You didn't need me to say we're degrading the body with nakedness. I didn't need to point any of that stuff out. It was a no-brainer, I think, for anybody in this room. Just watch your local news. Uh, look, at, look at the news sites online and, and you'll see all of it. I know laws try to regulate sin. And I'm thankful for laws. Laws are biblical. I'm not going to diminish laws. But the only cure for what we see in this country is Christ. That's it. So I, I know people want to regulate guns, and, and, and I know I'm not even going to take a stand on that. I'm just, I'm just saying we want to find a way to stop the insanity. And ultimately, the answer will always be Christ. Praise God for laws, but the answer is always, ultimately, Christ. So you better be sharing him. Because at the end of the day, the demon-possessed man was freed. And what did he say to Jesus at the end? I want to be with you. Isn't that us? I want to be with Jesus. Send him back. Send him today. I want to be with him. And Jesus said to him, no, you can't be with me right now. Ah, you know, I had thousands of demons maybe living in me, and now I'm free of them, and I just want to be with the guy, with the Lord who cast them out. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go tell people what God has done. And so I say to you, Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, I want you to go tell people what God has done for you. Go tell your story. Tell your story. Worship team, come on up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, you are 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And oh, how you've brought peace into this heart, into so many hearts here. I thank you for destroying the power of darkness in my life. I thank you for freeing me. I thank you for both rescuing me from the danger of that domain and then transferring me into the kingdom, your kingdom. And I pray for any here today that have not made that decision, that have not surrendered their life and accepted by faith this amazing new place to live called the kingdom of God, your rule in their life. I pray for them now that they might take that step into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.